All right. Good afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world. Uh, here at about 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Better weather today than we've had the last few days. It rained and then it was cold. And now it's back being pretty nice and warm, a little warmer outside. Some sun, but we'll, we'll pray for continued good weather, although... February, March. Winter's those, not over. Yep, yep, those are those are some tough months uh, here in the new Tornado Alley, Middle Tennessee. Uh, well, again, this is Michael Lilly, joined as always by my good buddy Neil, the Yukon Connect podcast. Uh, Neil, why don't you go ahead and start us off with where we were last week uh, preaching and where we're going this week. Last week and this week both are busy. Last week we had uh, Jackson Whitson at Free State. Brother Kenneth Anderson was at Beach Grove. A.C. Allen was at Hurricane. Uh, myself and a good buddy from Alabama who was staying with us, we went to Mayland. Uh, Jerry Alsop covered at Chestnut Mound. And um, we had Landon go to Stone to lead singing that morning, and then Chris and Stacy. Uh, took up took up that slack that night. This coming Sunday, again, busy. Beach Grove, I suckered you into going yep. there. Uh, we're not sure if Stone's going to be expecting their normal third Sunday singer there or not. Landon's going to check on that. Hopefully he'll, he'll be cleared by then. Uh, I will be back at Mayland. Dennis Hood will take care of Free State for us. And uh, Charlie Lefevre is going to cover chestnut mound because we had someone that needed to cancel there that actually is not part of UConn but they called us to see if we could cover for them so uh, it, it's becoming quite busy and it's getting more and more difficult to have enough men to cover everywhere yeah we're gonna have to start uh, roping some other guys into this if if we can we do um, we need them I know we've got several people that are on standby that we try not to uh to call on too much, whether that be because they're retired from preaching or uh, whether they're elders and need to be present at their own congregation. Um, but the reality is we may need to rely on those people more. And it just is what it is. We, uh, we have some more men that have agreed to help. The, uh, the catch there is several of those are on jobs that are on call. Uh. Yeah. And they just aren't available certain Sundays. And it seems like whoever designs a schedule waits kind of to the last minute to send that schedule out. And I'm afraid to wait that late, so I start filling vacancies as, as quick as I can. In fact, we need to be working on March right now. I've got a couple filled, but I've asked a couple folks, you know, I'm going to give you first shot. Yeah. You better let me know something. So uh, I think it's great that we have the number of men that we do. There is a plea that I continue to make for those who would be willing to preach. And I'm telling you, if it's just once a year you'd be willing, tell me a date, I'll put you somewhere. That will give somebody else some relief. We've got uh, some men that aren't getting a chance to worship with their home congregation much because they're so often needed other places. And there are times those folks need someone pouring into them too. They're pouring out everywhere else and... They, they need someone to pour into them. So 
if there's someone in your congregation that is thinking about it, encourage them. Have them give us a call, Michael or myself, and we'll see what we can do. And if they just have an idea, don't know what they would preach, still have them give us a call. We can work with them. We do Thursday evenings where we help folks put sermons together. Be glad to, to help with that and give folks an opportunity to stand up there and maybe get rid of some of the jitters and, and talk to a group of men who are here to do nothing more than make things better. So, back up, you said sometimes preachers need people to pour into them. Are, are you telling me that preachers are normal people, just like everybody else? Well, I wish I could say we were normal, but, <laughs> but yes, we have those, those same... And you know something, Michael, I know that's not the part that we talked about, but I want to share something with you that uh, I, I was in the education system for 27 years and, and preached occasionally on the side when folks needed me. But when I retired from the educational system and became more involved in preaching three, maybe four Sundays out of a month, what I saw was a lot of the folks that, that we were close to, they backed away mm, from us. Yes. Yeah. And I don't understand. And we were the same people we were before. I'm not teaching anything different than that. I was teaching before with we've had deep conversations but it just seemed like and I'd heard other preachers talk about that that folks will just kind of back away from you and I don't know why that is but please understand that the, the the preacher and his wife need friends to hang out with too and not every conversation has to be a spiritual conversation sometimes you want to get together and just talk about what your kids are doing or yeah. maybe the ball game or sit around and play games you know, I've I've heard, of course, I've heard that from other preachers myself, and I, I think sometimes that happens. People kind of withdraw from preachers uh, so much. Sometimes because uh, they don't they don't want the preacher to know about things going on in their life. They don't want the preacher to preach a sermon <laughs> about something that. that they told them or that that's going on in their life they don't they just they want to just not worry about that or feel uh feel like you know well if if he preaches something and and i don't like the sermon well then i just i have to be honest with him and i have to tell him that i didn't like it and you know sometimes if you're not friends with the preacher you don't have to be honest <laughs> with them maybe so yeah there's there's some reasons people have for that. Not saying that I agree with them, but um, yeah, preachers are are people too, uh, and their families are also people too. But their families are also not the preacher. Um, that is correct. And you know, we've talked about the expectations that the church puts on the preacher, but even more unfairly sometimes. Expectations get put on preachers' wives. Expectations get put on preachers' kids. Um, that those those people didn't necessarily sign up for. Um, it's not fair either. So well, quite bluntly, you and I both know that many times the preacher's wife and the preacher's kid are expected to be perfect. They can't mm -hmm. make mistakes, and that's just that's not <laughs> that's not. Christianity. We're not perfect. If we're perfect. We didn't need. We won't need Christ. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think there was a guy that wrote a big part of the New Testament that harped on that a whole lot. That if you were perfect, you didn't need Christ. It's not something you can do yourself. Yeah. Well, Neil, the uh, Neil and I were talking before we turned the podcast on, before we hit the record button. Uh, there's been a lot of hoopla made about some of the Super Bowl ads, and uh, I had to explain them to Neil because Neil wasn't aware, and I'll just briefly explain for anybody else who's not aware. Well, go ahead and tell them why I was unaware. Yeah. I didn't watch didn't the Super watch Bowl. Didn't watch the Super Bowl. So if you're like Neil and didn't watch the Super Bowl or you you didn't really care about the commercials and you were watching the game, uh, I'll fill you in a little bit. So there were these ads uh, by this Christian group company. I don't know exactly uh, their background or what all they do, but I've seen their ads online in the past, um, and they're, they're kind of their catchphrase is, he gets us. I'm talking about Jesus gets us. Um, and they they put some ads in the Super Bowl. Spent uh, $12 million for Super Bowl ads, by the way. Uh, we'll, we may talk about that too. But uh, one ad in particular that has people um, at each other's throats was a series of still shots of people washing other people's feet. Um, one one clip was a a person washing a woman's feet outside of a Planned Parenthood, uh, implying that this Christian was washing the feet of a woman that had an abortion. Um, another one was uh, a white guy washing the feet of a black person at a what seemingly was around them was a. Uh, protest based on racial discrimination another one was a uh, two older white guys sitting on a porch in blue jean overalls with both of their feet uh, stuck in a bucket and they were just laughing with with each other Um, but the last one and especially the one that has a lot of people up in arms was a guy dressed up like a catholic priest washing the feet of somebody who's heavily implied to be uh, homosexual. Um, And after that image, some text comes up on the screen that says, um, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed people's feet. And then the tagline, he gets us. Uh, So, there's, there's a couple camps that uh, have arisen out of this controversial uh, commercial. One camp says that, well, you know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus didn't go out or send his disciples out and say, find everybody that rejects God, rejects his word, find everybody that rejects me and blasphemes the Holy Spirit and uh, wash their feet go out and bow down and serve them and wash their feet. Um, Another camp says, well, Jesus teaches us to just to love everybody and uh, meet them where they're at. And, you know, that's that's pretty much that. So we we do need to go out and wash everybody's feet. Um, There's 
there's another camp that uh, I guess is kind of the, the middle ground between the two. Um, and, and this is kind of Neil and I stopped our conversation so we could talk about this on the, the in this setting in the podcast that, you know, he did wash his disciples' feet. But sometimes we have to meet people where they're at and not affirm their sinful lifestyle, but make a connection with them regardless so that you can preach Jesus to them. So uh, that that just kind of is some of the background and, and kind of the conversations that are being had. Um, and I thought we, we would kind of talk about that a little bit and share our thoughts, not saying that we will come to the perfect conclusion uh, and have a fully fledged conversation about this, but at least uh, talk about it and get some other people thinking about it too, Neil. So what are, you, what, are, what are your thoughts just hearing about that? Well, like I said when we were talking, sometimes we only have part of the story and sometimes only part of the story is told. But Jesus literally told his disciples, there's more you need to know, but you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, these were the folks that sat at Jesus' feet and said, you're not ready. I'm going to send the helper. So sometimes people aren't ready for everything just yet. And bluntly, sometimes we argue and we really agree. We just don't realize that, that we agree. Most folks would say, absolutely, we need to show love and concern and compassion for the lost. But what others see is who are on the other end of that spectrum, well, that's all you're showing them. No. You have to show them. Luke 19, Jesus is at Zacchaeus' house, and that story ends with said that he came to seek and to save the lost. We forget to seek. Yeah. That means to look for, to go after. You look at the Greek word, it means to pursue with the intent of catching. Yeah. And you can't do that. And then I think about Jesus himself. You got the woman at the well. He told her about her past. Never once did he tell her she was going to hell. He said, I, he, he finished the conversation with, but the time is coming and now is. And then he explained to her, hey, you can make things right. Here's how you do it. And, you know, he, the, the woman that was caught in adultery, Abs- that they, was my they, next brought him, they brought her to the temple and. And, you know, that we know about the, well, let the one who's without sin cast the first stone. But when everybody is gone, because everybody realizes they are also not perfect and they don't have the right to cast the stone. He looks at the woman and he says, you know, where are your accusers? And she says, well, everybody's gone. They left. And Jesus, without affirming her sin he says go and sin no more he recognized that she was a sinner that she was wrong but he said i don't condemn you so go and don't do it again do better so yeah then i think about first corinthians (coughs) pardon me i think about first corinthians and in chapter 6, and, and we've gone here before, where Paul gives us a laundry list of sins in verses 9 and 10. 
And he says, you know that these folks, they're not going mm-hmm. to inherit the kingdom of God. And in verse 11, and such were some of you. You were in these sins, these awful, horrible things that people want to assign le- levels or degrees of uh, intensity. Oh, that's, that, that's a really bad sin. Or, that's just a little sin. He said, you were involved in these, but not anymore because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. How did they get to that point, Michael? How did they get to the point of being washed and sanctified and justified? Was it somebody coming up and saying, I don't want anything to do with you because you're a sinner? It was Paul coming to these people and preaching Christ, preaching Him crucified, and preaching freedom and grace and no guilt, no condemnation, no shame for those that put their faith in Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you're, you're quoting Romans 8, 1. There's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Him. And also I think we forget, number one, Jesus said to love your enemies. Mm-hmm. And we forget that one a lot. But I don't think we understand the true spiritual idea of enemy. We only have one enemy when it comes to spiritual. Exactly. And it's not the drug dealer on the corner. It's not the prostitute. It, 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 and I hate to say this, folks, because it, it, it burns a hole in my mind, but it's not those who are molesting and, and raping and, and, and trafficking children. Our adversary, quite literally, is the devil. It, that's straight out of 1 Peter. He's the devil. They are souls that need saving. And yes, we detest what they're doing. And it, and it turns our stomach and we have to really get hold of our Christianity to be able to talk to those people. Can you imagine what the man had to do to go in and talk to Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah. But he swallowed it and he went in and he talked to him. And you know, yeah, we, we, we turn our fellow man into our own enemy even though our enemy is unseen to the naked eye in this reality and uses and manipulates people to do his will and and we we miss that so often we turn our fellow man into our own enemy and it makes me think of I don't want to sound crazy but you know we this past Wednesday night, um, Chris was was teaching class, and uh, he was teaching from uh, Genesis chapter nine, um, and and the topic came up about the the sanctity of life when God promised you know not to destroy humanity again uh, in the way that He did during the flood. This topic came up about the the sanctity of life and somebody asked the question, well, what about those who have abortions and those who murder unborn children? Uh, Do do those lives count as, you know, honoring and respecting the sanctity of life? And of course, us as Christians would say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, That is a human life that needs to be protected. But the conversation got very quiet when I asked the question, where do we draw the line? 
so many Christians I know very sadly support things like the death penalty and are completely okay with an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Completely okay with taking somebody's life. I don't care what the circumstances are that led them to facing that potential punishment, but we're so comfortable with going back to the old law that Christ came to fulfill and, and taking a life because they took a life. Where do we draw the line? Where do, where, what life is worth preserving and how far do we go with honoring the sanctity of life that God created? We agree about protecting unborn children, but we're okay with the death penalty. We're okay with waging wars on foreign soil against people of different religions and backgrounds based solely on the on that and we're okay with killing innocent women and children people are siding with Israel as they attempt to completely uh, eradicate and uh, genocide all of the people that are in the Gaza Strip we're okay with that but we are not okay with people killing unborn babies is all human life not precious in the eyes of God? It is. But then you have those passages that talk about that, that those that are in power do not wield the sword in vain. It's, I mean, we have governments that have the authority to do things like that. And, you know, when you get onto that slippery slope, should we take all deadly force away from the police officers? So, I mean... That's debate for yeah. another yeah, time because it gets slippery. It, 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 yeah, that's and that's that yeah. was that was my my goal was to get people to think. Okay, Absolutely. well, where where do we draw the line then? And you know, someone's breaking in your house, and I'm gonna make it as straightforward as I possibly can. And you let them know, I'm in here, my family's in here, I will protect my family, and they continue to break into your house. And I'm not looking for an answer. Yeah, yeah. And they come in wielding a weapon with every intention, as best you can tell, of harming you and your family. What do you do? I mean, you know, folks will go to the, the scripture talks about turn the other cheek. And if, they, if they'll take your, your coat, you give them the cloak also. And what do you do? And others will say, yes, but he that will take lives. care of his own yeah. is worth and worse than, than a non-believer or an infidel. I mean, how do yeah. you reconcile yeah. those things? So... I mean that those are things that you have to study, and you have to have to understand that uh, you got to take the Bible as a whole and, and think about that. Um, and a lot of folks, you know this, they go back to the Old Testament. Well, God allowed this and this and this. And there was a lot of things in the Old Testament, absolutely that that were allowed and commanded. But again, when it comes to the laws of the Old Testament, we're not. Under the, first of all, I'm not a Jew and you aren't either. No, nope. it was never for us. And Hebrews makes it plain that that we have a better high priest. We have a better law. The, the, the old is passing away. That's what Hebrews is all about. Yep. And you know, we can folks can debate on either side of that. 
and I don't think there's a clear-cut, easy answer. Um, and I think there's going to be disagreements from folks who would normally agree on most things, but that's that's going to be one of those things that will divide folks. Yeah, yeah you're right. But anyway, when we when we talk about that uh, the Super Bowl ad and and kind of the message that it was sending, um, I think a lot of people that are against the commercial um, are against it in the sense that um, it almost in their minds is taking scripture out of context um, in, in the fact that you know Jesus did wash the feet of his disciples um, and so they don't want it to send the wrong message of saying yeah we in the church you know you, you, can, you can be gay and you can do whatever you want. You can do all these things. Um, but you know, I would hate to say that my sins are not so bad and that Jesus can forgive my sins, but then turn around and tell somebody who wants to put their faith in Christ, well, your sins are worse than mine and your sins can't be forgiven uh, the same way that mine can. Uh, that That doesn't seem fair to me and it doesn't seem to be consistent with what scripture teaches it doesn't Paul doesn't say that there's uh, some condemnation for some sins and some shame for others but for not for others um, I don't know what are you looking for Neil oh I'm just thinking about things um, if I'm not mistaken Jesus told his disciples, "You go and do likewise," after he washed their feet. Yeah. And I think we 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 get so hung up on the act of washing feet, and we realize don't realize that it was all about service. And he chose the most lowly of tasks. You've got the Son of God bending down and washing the dirty, stinking feet of his own creation. And folks will say, well, Neil, you don't know that they were dirty and stinky. Well, let me, let me lay something on you. They wore leather opened sandals in a hot climate on a dusty road. Now, you figure that one out. Yeah. And they had been traveling that Yeah, day. they had been traveling. <laughs> and he gets down and he washes their feet. Because none of them felt like... That, that they should be doing that. Well, that, that was somebody else's job. That lowly service was somebody else's job. And his lesson there is, you do what needs to be done. No matter how lowly and how, quote, low, you have to stoop to do that, you do it. If I can do it, your master can do it for you, you sure can do it for others. And I think a lot of times we don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, realistically, the, the I would I, I I Michael personally would say, before you get bent out of shape and up in arms about somebody trying to spread a message about Jesus and get people to think about Jesus, uh, consider first 
whether or not it's a bad thing for people to think about Jesus. If you disagree with the finer details of the message that was being given, that's fine. And when you talk to people, uh, you can give the message that you think is appropriate, but um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that, that somebody did something to try to get people to think about Jesus. Kind of sounds like Paul in Philippians. Um, he's in jail, and he's telling the Philippians in the first chapter in verse 15, he said, uh, Some preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. And then in verse 18, he asks the rhetorical question, What then? Maybe today we would say like, So what? I'm just happy that in every way, Jesus is being preached. If they're doing it for the wrong reason, that's on them. Yeah. The truth is still... And, and the indication is that it's true. I mean, he wouldn't stand for false teaching. Right. But they're teaching the truth, but they just got their, their priorities wrong. He said, fine, but Jesus is still being preached. Yeah. Don't think that that causes me pain. I think we need to take a look there. That may have opened a door of opportunity to you as a Christian. What do you think about that football uh, yeah. commercial? There you're opening ears. Yep. If you've been praying that the there's Lord would use you and give you an opportunity, there's your window right there. Yes. Um, or they might even say, well, what do you think of the Super Bowl? And then you can lead into the commercial, and then you can go right into talking about... Yeah. Who's to say that that wasn't there for an opening? Right. Now, as we kind of are coming up on on time we've been going for a little while now yep uh, i'll mention one more thing the about the commercial the, the irony is not lost on me that supposedly these people spend about 12 million dollars to get these time slots these ads into the super bowl and there's been a lot of again people naysayers uh against the commercial that said well that money could have been used for something else uh, we could have fed the poor. We could have built the homeless people houses. We could have done so many other things with $12 million. Um, and I, you're probably right. $12 million, there's a lot of things we could do with $12 million. But um, if you're concerned about the poor, if you're concerned about the hungry, <laughs> if you're concerned about orphans, if you're concerned about widows, like Jesus says, you have them always. Do something. Step up yourself and do something. <laughs> You're referring to the anointing at Bethany when they yeah. were fussing about her spill, spilling, not spilling, spending that expensive ointment on anointing his feet. Oh, this could be used. How much was that oil worth? An entire year's salary. An entire year's salary. Now, I, I, I won't... I won't say how much I make in a year because it, it's a lot more than I need. But um, yeah, I, my entire year's salary, I could do a lot of good with an entire year's salary. But regardless of what I decide to do with it, uh, whatever I do with it, I pray that I use it to glorify God. Whether that is through supporting efforts to preach the word, whether that's to help build houses for the poor, whether that's to feed the hungry, 
take care of orphans and widows. Uh, you know, whatever the church decides to do here with the money that I put in the plate here, uh, whatever. Uh, I just pray that that's, that's what I do. There's, yes, there are a lot of good things that could be done with $12 million, but uh, at the same time, the Super Bowl this year broke every single viewership record uh, for any broadcast ever. Wow. The most, the most viewed event of all time across all networks, across all just ever, in, in every category. There was a lot of people that heard about Jesus uh, during the Super Bowl. And personally, I feel like that's $12 million well spent. Uh, but Do we have any idea how many were watching the Super Bowl? How many was reached? I'm not sure. I can try to Google it real quick. I mean, if there are only 12 million people, and I'd say it's probably more than that, I don't know. That's simply a dollar per person for advertisement uh, and getting the word out about Jesus. Early figures for Monday night said it was upwards of 123 million. That's not very much per person that saw that advertising about Jesus. Now, we as Christians need to take that opportunity, use that. And bluntly, not my decision how somebody else uses their money. No. That was explained in the first century. When you, when you sold land, wasn't it yours? And nice and sapphire? Wasn't it yours to do with what you wanted to? It was theirs. That expensive ointment. Yes, it could have been sold. And, and I've told you this before, and we'll, we'll kind of end on this. I've said this before, and it's something good for you to ponder. And I hope you remember this statement. Don't let doing good get in the way of doing what's right. Michael, you want to close us out in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's do it. Father God, we just thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity for us to come together and to, to speak on your word and to speak on the ways that we see your word um, being put into the world today. Father, we, we pray that regardless of how anybody may personally feel about the message and the finer details of it, Father, that um, we just pray that people are thinking about Jesus. And we pray that we can have doors and windows of opportunity opened to us, that people's hearts might be softened uh, such that we can continue to reach people um, with the message of Christ, of Him crucified and salvation through His finished work on the cross. Father, we pray for each of those that are connected to us. Father, for those that are dealing with illnesses, um, we know that uh, COVID and the flu and all these other things are going around, and we just pray that everybody that's sick and afflicted during this time uh, can be returned to a, their much-wanted health, uh, if it be your will, so that they can uh, return to service in your kingdom. Father, we pray for those that are connected to us, that are uh, going to be preaching your word in, in churches throughout the area this coming Sunday. Uh, again, Father, that, that much good can come from their efforts. Um, 
that your word may be proclaimed and that uh, Christ may be glorified above all. Father, we, of course, thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the perfect sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary such that we might have the hope for heaven one day if we place our faith in him. It's in his holy and precious name that we say all these things. Amen. Amen.